Thank you, ladies, for your playing this morning. Our worship this morning has been for the purpose of helping us focus our attention on Christ. And our focus our attention on the Lord who gives us all good things. The God who is so gracious and loving and generous and kind and meets our needs and knows about every need in our lives. The scriptures remind us he has the number of hairs on our head. Rod, that's easy for you. I'm sorry, but that's easy for you this morning. Rod and I, we can we can joke about our allegiance to teams, right? But we serve the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that's true for many of us this morning. And what a privilege it is to be together to worship and to lift our voices before God in praise. It is a form of thanksgiving. It is a form of thankfulness when we truthfully and honestly from the bottom of our hearts lift our voices in song as we have this morning. I wonder if you're a thanksgiver. Are you a thanksgiver? You, you might be thinking, wait a minute, wait, 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 Thanksgiving is in a few weeks, Pastor. You're a little bit early. Are you a thanksgiver? Are you one who gives thanks? You know, for the follower of Christ, there is no thanksgiving time, all right? There's all time, all year long, year round is a time that we ought to be giving thanks. Sometimes I think the world is a bit confused at thanksgiving time because they talk about giving thanks, and then the rest of the world, they're not very thankful. You know, they don't really know what thankfulness is. It's kind of like the fellows who were walking through a field one day and found themselves actually in a in a large fenced-in area with a bull. And then the bull noticed that they were there, and the bull began to charge, and they began to run in the, for the nearest fence. And the one fellow said to the other, "Pray, man, pray." And the other guy says, "I I can't pray. I've never prayed a public prayer before." He says, well, you had better pray a public prayer now because that bull's charging us and, and we're toast. We can't get away from that bull. It's just too late. All right, the guy said, okay, I'll try to pray the prayer that my father always prayed at the dinner table. Oh, Lord, for what we're about to receive, make us truly thankful. That is not a good time to be given thanks, okay? You might be given thanks if you can run faster than the other guy. Thank you, Lord, that I can run faster than the other guy. I don't know. In Budapest, a, um, a man goes to the rabbi and complains. He says to the rabbi, life is unbearable. It is unbearable. There are nine of us living in one room. What can I do? The rabbi says, take your goat into the room with you. The guy says, huh? Just take your goat into the room with you. The fellow says to the rabbi, you've got to be kidding me. My goat? Do as I say. Come back in a week. A week later, the man comes back looking more distraught, more disheveled than ever, and more discouraged, and his head is hanging low. And he comes back to the rabbi, and he says, the goat is filthy. This is not working. The goat is destroying everything. This is terrible. The rabbi says, go home and let the goat out. Let the goat outside. Come back in a week. (laughs) You know where, where he's going with this, right? A week later, the fellow comes back and he's on cloud nine. He said, life is great. 
Life is wonderful. No goat. And we so enjoy our time together, the nine of us in that one room. (laughs) Well, that's thankfulness, right? And that's a little bit of perspective after, you know, spending a week with a goat, you find out nine people aren't so bad. You know, some people are thankful because they look around and they realize, you know, things could be worse. So I guess I better be thankful, you know. And I have to wonder, is that really what God has called us to as a people? As followers of Christ, has God really called us to just look around and go, you know, I'm thankful because things could be worse, I guess. You know, I don't believe that. I don't believe that that's what God has called us to. I think that God has called us to be a people who are deeply grateful and thankful people all the time at all times. What kind of thankfulness do you give to God? What kind of thankfulness do you offer up to God? We just spent the first few moments of our worship together, worshiping God and giving glory to Him for His goodness and His grace and His mercy and lifting many, many words in a form of thanksgiving. How do you give thanks to God? And do you do it with your life? Are you? Let me just ask you to, to examine your own heart this morning as we begin, because this is important. I want you to prepare your hearts for what God has in His Word here for us. Are you truly a thankful person for God's glory? Are you truly a thankful person? If so, why are you thankful? What is it you're thankful about? If you're not a thankful person, if you look at your life and you go, you know, I really struggle with thanks, thanks, thankfulness. I'm not very thankful. I want you to think about why not. Did you think about that with me this morning? I want you to go with me to the book of Colossians in chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're coming back to our study in Colossians after a brief break, a brief series on prayer for a few weeks. And then we're coming back to this chapter 3 and verses 15 through 17. We're going to study in verse 15 this morning. But what I find in verses 15 through 17 focuses my attention on, uh, there are several things, but, but one overall theme that kind of ties these three verses together is the theme of thankfulness. Now, we're going to read these verses in a moment. I think you'll see it. I'm calling this brief series with, within our Colossians study. Some of you are thinking, when are we going to be done with Colossians? It'll take forever. That's all right. God's Word is good and helpful for us in, within this longer series of Colossians, a brief series on uh, thankfulness. I'm calling it Be Thankful. Okay? Be Thankful. Be Thankful. Because in the three verses we're going to be looking at in the next couple of weeks, we find this repeating theme of thankfulness. Let's look at them together, verses 15, 16, and 17. I want you to look at your copy of God's Word as I read from mine. Let's look at them together because I want you to see this repeating theme of thankfulness here. Verse 15, Colossians 3, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, 
Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, in the previous verses, uh, before we get to this study this week, several weeks ago, we studied the previous verses, and we noted, you might have been here for the, that, that study, that where we noted the different pieces of the believer's spiritual wardrobe. And I want you to, with that kind of metaphor in your mind, I want you to look at thankfulness as one of the outermost garments. Thankfulness ought to be one of the outermost garments of the spirit of, of the Christ-like person's wardrobe, spiritual wardrobe. And in a nutshell, the message this morning is this. And if you're tired and you fall asleep, this is the message. Okay, just in this, you're not going to do that, though, right? Here's the message this morning: Believers in Jesus Christ can be thankful because they have the gift of peace, and it's critical for the believer to be thankful because the one who isn't thankful isn't at peace with God and will not be at peace with God's people. That's a mouthful, isn't it? But that's the message this morning that I want you to get from the Scriptures here as we look together at verse 15. Believers in Jesus Christ can be thankful because they have the gift of peace. And it is critical for followers of Jesus Christ to be thankful because the one who isn't thankful isn't at peace and will not be at peace with God and will not be at peace with other believers. Look at verse 15 again. And let, it says, the peace of Christ, little clue there, peace of Christ, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, And note the last three words. They might be slightly different in your translation, but in the English Standard Version it says, and be thankful. And be thankful. Now those last three words in verse 15 are, and be thankful, but they are not an afterthought. Okay, When I'm reading this and I was studying this, I thought, you know, Paul could have put that right up front and said, be thankful, and here's why. It's kind of what the way that you could look at that. He says, and be thankful. Thankfulness and gratitude really go hand in hand with peace. Let me tell you that if you find yourself in this life struggling for peace, I would guess that you're struggling with thankfulness too. All right? If you are not a thankful person, and if you're struggling with thanksgiving, then I would suggest that you're probably not at peace either. Paul says, and be thankful. You struggle with peace? Do you struggle to find peace in your life and to be at peace amidst the turmoil? And 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 I'm not suggesting that this world is an easy place to live, all right? I know that it's not always an easy place to live. I know that sometimes your peace is challenged, isn't it? And your thankfulness is challenged. But do you struggle to find peace? Or maybe you're looking for it. Do you struggle to, to have the peace that you know that is possible? As a follower of Christ, as a believer in God's Word, are the challenges and difficulties that you face in life a challenge to your peace? If you find that to be true, I want you to be encouraged this morning. I don't want you to be discouraged, okay? Be encouraged that if you're a follower of Christ, you have been given the gift of peace. Let me just clarify for a moment, because sometimes... We talk about being Christians, and that's why I often use the term follower of Christ, because in the world in which we live, you know, the word Christian gets thrown around a lot. I heard heard, uh, in a news 
piece the other day. Somebody said something about uh, 80% of Americans claiming to be Christians. You know, and I just had to think. Wait a minute. You know, if 80% of Americans were Christians, I think America would be a different place right now. I, th- I think. I could be wrong, but I, th- I doubt that 80% of Americans are true believers in Jesus Christ. They might be calling themselves Christians, so I, I use the phrase uh, often, I'll say, a follower of Christ, because a true Christian is one who follows Jesus and follows God's Word. All right, So, followers of Jesus Christ have the gift of peace. Now you go, wait, you know, I'm not at peace very often. Or I'm not always at peace, and sometimes I struggle with peace, or sometimes I struggle with thank- thankfulness and thanksgiving. How is it you say I have the gift of peace? Well, I believe that followers of Jesus Christ have the gift of peace because it's only available through Jesus Christ. And I know that followers of Jesus Christ, those who are believers in Jesus, have the Holy Spirit. That's point number one this morning. If you're taking notes, peace comes only through Christ. All right? You need to know. And as you live in this world and as you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people, they need to know peace comes only through Christ. Believers in Jesus Christ can be thankful because they have the gift of peace. In verse 15, Paul speaks of the peace of Christ. Remember that. It's the peace of Christ. It's not your peace if you're not Christ's. And it's not our peace without Christ giving it to us. And that's why I say the believer in Jesus Christ has the gift of peace, because peace comes only through Christ. A real peace, lasting peace, peace that passes all understanding, right? Philippians 4, 7. That cannot be found anywhere else other than in and through Jesus Christ. And the peace that Paul speaks of here is not a self-made peace that you create by ordering your environment. Okay, that's not that kind of that's not the kind of peace we're talking about. You can have, uh, you might be able to create some sort of peace and order in your home by kind of ordering things and arranging things and having rules about how things are conducted in your household, and you might have a peaceful surroundings and peaceful environment. But that's not the kind of peace that Paul is talking to. I mean, the world in which we live is pursuing that kind of peace, don't you think? I find it interesting. I've, in the last few months, I've tried to order my world a little bit, you know, and and get things a little bit more uh, clarified, and to try to. Um, well, I'm kind of a detailed person anyway. You know, if I sit down, I'm I'm weird. If you follow me around and watch, I've got a lot of mess. You know, there's a messy things, but it, they're all in, it's all in order. All right. My pile of books and stuff is a nice, neat stack of books. My pile of papers and things, they're all in order. And my pens on my desk and things like they're all lined up. That's really weird, isn't it? Obsessive. I'm, you know, I'm an orderly person, but I'm also a messy person, so I get my mess and I try to put it in order. Well, the last few months or so, I've been kind of thinking about, you know, how can I make uh, some of the clutter in my mind go away? And some of that can happen by kind of ordering your environment. You know, and kind of help them clear the desk off and, you know, clear things uh, out of your, your sight that confuse you and, and cause you to be distracted. And, and some of that's a good thing, you know. But that's not the kind of peace we're talking about here. I'm never going to have peace if I'm not surrendered to Jesus Christ and the work that He wants to do in and through me. I can do everything to, in, within my power available to put things in order in my environment and in my household and make things, make sure things are clean and spick and span and kind of simplify everything in, in the external. And I could be completely without peace. 
internally. I can be completely without peace spiritually. And what, what Paul's talking about here is the real peace that only comes through Jesus Christ. It's the gift from God. And so I say believers have available to them the gift of peace. They have the gift of peace. Now there's something interesting about gifts that you have to open them, right, to enjoy them. You can take a gift from someone and keep it wrapped up, and it's not going to do you a bit of good. And this gift of peace is something like that. God gives believers and followers of Christ the gift of peace, but we have to take advantage of it. In John 14, verse 27, we find Jesus speaking to the disciples shortly before he's to be crucified, and he tells them this. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. So followers of Jesus Christ have the gift of peace. And not only is this an inner peace that comes to those who obediently follow Christ, but it's also, and this is critical, this is peace with God. It's an inner peace. It's a peace that you can, you can rely upon and depend upon when things are difficult and things are tumultuous in the life in which you live. But it's also peace with God, which is ultimately the kind of peace that you and I need. You see, those who surrender their lives to Christ, confessing their sins and believing in Jesus Christ, are now at peace with God. Before that, you were at war with God. You realize that? Before you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you were at war with God. The Scriptures tell us and remind us that no one seeks after God. Everyone opposes God. Now you might think, well, yeah, I didn't take up arms against God. I wasn't warring and opposing God, but that's... What the Scriptures tell us and remind us that those who are not with God are opposed to God. And those who surrender their lives to Christ can confess their sin and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior have the gift of peace. And it's an internal peace that they can enjoy in a difficult world. But it's also peace with God, which is ultimately the most important kind of peace that you need. Speaking of unbelievers in Romans 1, it says this, They did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. They were not at peace with God. Believer, unbelievers do not honor God or give thanks to Him, which indicates to me that a follower of Christ, a believer in Jesus Christ, give thanks to God. And if you're not giving thanks to God, then something's wrong, isn't there? That brings us to our next point. Peace comes only to those whose hearts are ruled by Christ. Peace comes only to those whose hearts are ruled by Christ. And when I talk about the heart, I'm talking about the life. Your attitude, your actions, the, the outgrowth of everything that you believe in in Jesus Christ. Peace comes only to those whose hearts are ruled by Christ, Paul says again in verse 15. Let. Let. The peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I think that's an important thought. Do you let the peace of Christ rule in your life, in your heart? He says that those who yield to God are going to allow their hearts to have God ruling in their heart, in their life. Those who yield to God will allow their hearts to be ruled by Christ. Heart and life ruled by Christ. 
And the word that Paul uses here for rule has in mind the work that one who rules the games, the work of one who is on the field ruling the games. Um, we call that person an umpire. Sometimes we call him blind. You know, we say that umpire, all right, or that blind guy can't see the game. But that's the kind of meaning, the umpire, um, is the idea of the word that's used here, this rule. This ruling is like the umpire who comes into the game and blows the whistle and says, "Uh uh-uh, you're out of here, that's not allowed. Or wait a minute, that's you're breaking the rule, you get penalized, back 10 yards, back whatever, you know. If you are to enjoy... God's gift of peace, then you must let God rule in your heart. You must allow God to be teaching you what is appropriate and what is inappropriate. You could say that God gives us uh, spiritual umpires, you know, and He's done it through the work of the Holy Spirit revealing to us His truth as we sink ourselves into God's Word. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And as you become ruled by Christ, you become more wise about you know, when to blow that whistle and say, wait a minute, that's out of order. Get that out of my life. You see, it means that you take the wisdom of God's Word and allow it to transform your thinking. It informs your thinking and then it transforms your thinking. That's how that peace of God rules and that's how that works. It means you take the wisdom of God's Word, you allow it to inform you about what God is, what is God-pleasing and what is Christ-honoring and what is Christ-like and helps conform you to the image of Christ in obedience to that Word. So God's Word should always do two things. It should inform and it should transform. Okay, We should never stop at information when it comes to God's Word. It ought to be doing a transforming work in our hearts and minds. Now that's why Paul can say, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You see, as believers in Jesus Christ, you have the gift of peace, but it's only enjoyed by those who are ruled by Christ from the heart. Without allowing God to rule in your heart and life, to be like taking the gift of peace and not opening it. And saying, I got the gift of peace, but I'm not going to open it. You know, I'm not going to be thankful. I'm not going to be at peace. I'm not going to obey God. Isaiah 26.3 puts it this way. Because as believers in Jesus Christ, this gift of peace can only be enjoyed by those who are ruled by Christ from the heart. Isaiah 26.3, You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. You see, and and there's a picture of the information and the transformation. In Isaiah 26.3, You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Information, I believe what God's Word says. You know, here's what God's Word says. And then the end of the verse, because He trusts in you, I'm going to believe in the information. And I'm going to experience a transformation. The perfect peace. The perfect peace comes when you rely upon and you depend upon God's Word and your life is conformed to what God's Word teaches. So the believer who keeps his mind on Christ by rooting him or herself in the Word 
and trusting in God is going to experience his perfect peace, even amidst your hardship, even amidst a world in which there is a lot of turmoil and difficulty. You see, you can look for peace in all the wrong places and you'll never find that perfect peace of God apart from a mind and a heart that is ruled by Christ because this mind of Christ helps you judge what is right and Christ honoring. And you don't get the mind of Christ without sinking yourself into God's Word and then asking God to transform your thinking so that you trust in Him. And an outworking of this heart knowledge of God's Word that brings peace to the life of the believer brings peace to the body life of God's church as well. You realize that? Look at verse 15 again where it says, Paul says, note that Paul says here in verse 15, to which indeed you were called in one body. To which indeed you were called in one body. You see, as God's people, we are called to one body, and that one body is the church. You see, the church is made up of the people of God. God's children make up the church, and we are called to this body of believers. And Paul reminds the Colossian church that they were called to this one body. This is a gift from God, this one body that we enjoy. If you don't see it as a gift of God, you need to pray and ask God to help you change your thinking because this one body is a gift from God for us to encourage us and build us up. But you know what? You can tear down this body. You can tear down and destroy this body, the church. See, God's peace is present in the life of the church when the hearts of the people are ruled by Christ. And where the people's hearts are not ruled by Christ, there will be discord and there will be strife and there will be disunity in God's church. And so we each have a responsibility to God's church, the body that we've been called to, don't we? To be allowing our hearts, letting the heart and mind and life be ruled by the peace of Christ. I want you to remember too, and this is number three, that that peace comes only to those who are thankful. Peace comes only to those who are thankful. The person who lacks the peace of Christ will also lack thankfulness. I noted that earlier, didn't I? That the people who lack the peace of Christ are going to lack thankfulness. Why is this? Well, I think it's often because the thankless person is one who struggles with, and, and really at the root of all this, is pride and selfishness. The person who struggles with thankfulness and the, struggle, the person who struggles to find peace is actually a prideful person, a self-centered person. And they're, they're selfish, which leads to, agree with me or not, but selfishness leads to controversies. You know that it does. It leads to controversies, and then controversies lead to hard feelings, grudges. And disagreements come up. And those lead to discouragement and defeat and even depression. And the selfish person tends to be demanding and unforgiving of others. And ultimately, where there is a lack of peace, there is disobedience to God. That's the bottom line. Where there is a lack of peace, there is disobedience to God. I want to insert a thought here that we ought to be careful about. 
Let's be careful that we don't think that all is well just because we think we have peace. Just because we think we have peace doesn't mean we have the peace of God. And here's what I mean. Your heart and your mind needs to be ruled by Christ. And I've argued that being ruled by Christ means that you're a person of the Word and you allow the Word to inform your thinking and transform your your actions. And that person who is not ruled by Christ... And that person who is not trusting in Christ, and that person who is not obeying Christ, is not going to be a thankful person. There's not going to be a thankful bone in that body, in the body of that person. So let's be careful that we don't think that all is well because we think we have peace, because we could be without thankfulness and say, well, you know, I'm at peace with the way things are. But your thinking isn't informed by God's Word. If you stray from God's Word and you stray from the truth of God's Word and allowing it to impact your thinking and change change your, your thankfulness to, to Christ-honoring thankfulness, you're going to have a, a peace that comes from God. But let me tell you that a person who rejects the Scriptures and who doesn't, and, and you reject the Scriptures by ignoring them, do you know that, right? You can, you can reject the Scriptures by just ignoring them, by not opening the Word and allowing them to transform you that person does not have a conscience that is informed by God's Word, and that, that, that person can have a peace that is not a godlike peace, not a biblical peace. That, that peace can be created by some other way, by pursuing the external that we talked about earlier. So I say let's be careful that we don't think that all is well just because we think we have peace. We might think we have peace, but be careful that if your peace isn't informed by God's Word and created by your trust in God and that gift that He's given to you, then you might have a false peace. And we cultivate that false peace by failing to shape our conscience by God's Word. That's why Paul calls it the peace of Christ. He says it's not, it's not your peace, it's God's peace. It's the peace of Christ. And so let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The peace of Christ ruling in your heart brings thankfulness. That's my argument. The peace of Christ ruling in your heart will make you a thankful person. You remember the story of the leper? Actually, there were ten lepers who were cleansed by Jesus in Luke chapter 17. You remember the story? If not, let me refresh your memory. It says in verse 11 in chapter 17 of Luke, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying they stood back because they didn't, at that time they were not allowed to come close to others. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found in, to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. 
You see, peace comes only to those who are thankful. Are you a person who gives thanks to God? Are you a person who is allowing your heart to be ruled by the peace of Christ? Or are you like the nine who went their way without expressing any gratitude? Did you know that an ungrateful attitude and a lack of thankfulness in the heart of a believer is sin? Billy Graham wrote that ingratitude is a sin just as surely as is lying or stealing or immorality or any other sin condemned by the Bible. Nothing turns us into bitter, selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart. And nothing will do more to restore contentment and the joy of our salvation than a true spirit of thankfulness. You know, it's been said, and I'm kind of a sucker for little phrases, but it's been said that we don't need more to be thankful for. We just need to be more thankful. I would agree with that. We don't need any more to be thankful, do we? It's been said also that thankfulness depends on what's in the heart, not what's in your hand. Thankfulness depends upon what's in your heart, your heart attitude, how God has changed you and blessed you and how you are at peace with God. It doesn't matter what's in your hand or what's not in your hand. In closing this morning, I'd like to ask you to stand with me. We're going to recite a passage of Scripture together that's going to help focus our thinking on Christ and help give us a start to this thanksgiving in our lives. Would you stand with me, please? I'm going to ask our guys to put the scripture on the screen this morning. It's Psalm 105, verses 1 through 7. And I want to recite them together because this will help you focus your hearts and your minds in the appropriate place on God and letting the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let's say these verses together. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that He has done, His miracles and the judgments He uttered. O offspring of Abraham, His servant, children of Jacob, His chosen ones, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we've gathered here, In your promised presence, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people who are giving thanks to you, that we would be a people who are calling on your name, that we would be a people who are making known your deeds among the peoples of the world in which we live. Oh, Lord, help us to sing to you and to sing praises to you and to tell of all your wondrous works. Oh, Father, help us to give great glory and honor to your holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek you rejoice. 
Help us, Lord, to have the strength of the Lord. Help us to seek your presence always. Help us to never forget the wondrous works that you have done and your miracles and the judgments that you have uttered. Help us to never forget that as God's children, we are your chosen ones. And that you are the Lord our God. And your judgments and all the earth, they're completely righteous. God, I pray for your people today that they would let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts. And Lord, may you draw this congregation together as we are one body and help us to be thankful. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.